Health Naturally for our sponsor, Dennis Stewart's New Lambton Herbal Medicine Centre. Dennis Stewart, I can't lick my lips as we're talking. We're talking about (laughs) licorice today, but it does, in fact, licorice has a lot of properties. I think that's the point. Well, I mean, most people, when they hear of licorice, immediately think of confectionery. Well, there's a big difference between licorice flavoured confectionery and the medicinal herb known as licorice. Licorice is probably the most popularly used medicinal herb in the world. Um, Most traditional systems of medicine, Chinese, uh, Arabic, Western, they all incorporate licorice for its therapeutic purposes. And not many people know that. And in recent times, like so many herbs, licorice has been examined. Uh, Whereas in the past, uh, herbal medicine and herbs were looked at rather in a quaint way, as being based on nothing more than uh, folklore. Uh, these days, as, as I've said frequently on this program, herbs have become subjected to a modern analysis, uh, which is good. It has given credibility to uh, herbal medicine practice. And with licorice, interestingly, a lot of its therapeutic claims can be substantiated uh, by the fact that licorice contains a chemical constituent called glycorrhizin. Now, this wouldn't be a big surprise uh, to some people in the medical profession, although it's not as well known as it should be, but glycorrhizin is the active principle, as we call it, that is in licorice and gives to licorice multiple therapeutic purposes. We could talk about licorice all day. Uh, we could talk about, for instance, the uh, uh, Dr. Reavers in Holland during the Second World War Uh, when drugs were were in short supply, uh, noticed that many of his patients who were suffering from peptic ulcers, duodenal and and, uh, stomach ulcers, were receiving a medicine from an apothecary or a pharmacist down the road, which they claimed had great results in healing their ulcers. Now, Rivas was uh, not cynical. He looked into it and found out, in fact, that the medicine that was being dispensed to many of his patients that had ulcers was based on licorice. And subsequent uh, modern science has demonstrated again that licorice is one of the most potent healing agents for the gut wall and is incorporated in many, many medications, some even pharmaceutical, for dealing with stubborn, ulcerous conditions of the stomach and the duodenum. So his discovery was one of the first in modern times, and I still use licorice uh, to prescribe for patients that have stubborn uh, inflammatory conditions of the gut, Um, particularly in conjunction with some of the mainstream medication. It works well. In fact, in the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia, which is the uh, Bible of modern herbal medicine, in the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia, if one looks at the monograph for Glycorrhiza glabra, that's the technical name for licorice, one will find that it is specifically indicated, let me emphasise, specifically indicated for peptic ulceration. Now, I'm not suggesting that people out there uh, depart from what's been prescribed by their good doctors, but in those conditions where there is room for improvement and where the condition is particularly uh, stubborn, uh, an understanding of licorice and its potential is very, very valuable indeed. We can talk more about it. Jackie is rung up from Nelson Bay. Jackie, um, you've got a comment on licorice. Yes. Um, years ago, my father had an ulcer. It was diagnosed by the doctor. 
And his chiropractor, who is also a herbalist, mentioned the regression. My father took it and it cured him. I'm just wondering, I have a friend who has an ulcer that causes her a fair bit of pain, a uh, problem, and um, she's on other medication, but I'm just wondering if a licorice extract could be taken with normal medication? Always, uh, Jackie, when you're um, using the herb licorice, and licorice in particular, um, you need to be fairly aware of what other medication a patient might be taking. So if your friend... Uh, was interested in using licorice, the first thing that she would need to do would be to discuss that option with a GP uh, and or a pharmacist to make sure that there was no possibility of it clashing. The reason I say that is that in high dosages, and let me emphasise this, high dosages, a licorice can cause problems. It can cause a retention of sodium and it, as a result of that, a depletion of potassium, and it can also, as a result, see some blood pressure elevation. Now, in all the years that I have been prescribing uh, licorice, and I'm talking about a 40-year uh, stint at this, I have never actually seen this side effect, but uh, it is possible, particularly when the herb is administered in a non-standard and incorrectly dosed form. If one were to use it in a condition like this, with the doctor's approval, uh, with the pharmacist's uh, approval, one would have to make sure that one abided by the dosages that are called up for what's called the one-to-one -one liquid extract. And this would be the best way to use it because the fluid extract is a liquid rendition of licorice and it's administered in a maximum dose of four mils three times daily. Most uh, benefits that I get with licorice are in lower dosages than that, but that is the optimum dose. And for someone who's using it on its own, un unsupported by other herbs, I would think that that would be reasonable. Now, I emphasise that uh, if one is going to tap its benefits, it's important to use a standardised preparation. That is a one-to-one -one liquid extract. Uh, which my rooms at New Lambton would store and a compounding pharmacist would also store it and it needs to be administered in the correct dosage. So long as there is no um, conflicting medication, um, and this would have to be discussed with the GP, I would be very, very much inclined uh, to use licorice in ulceration because my reading suggests that there is no other substance. I stand correction on this, but I think I'm pretty right. There is no other substance that can heal an ulcer so quickly and so successfully as is licorice. Now, I know that there are, there are modern medications out there presently, uh, which are known as PPI preparations, which are well-known and well-prescribed, and they do a good job in lowering the level of acid in the stomach. Uh, I cannot see any great reason why licorice couldn't be used in conjunction with that medical approach to improve the management of a peptic ulcer. But again, to use it in a serious condition like that would require the GP's understanding, monitoring uh, and, uh, and knowledge of the preparation. But let me emphasise, I'm not surprised uh, at what you said. Uh, I'm not surprised that the chiropractor knew about it. He may well have been taught by me. Uh, but it's not surprising that licorice has this sort of reputation. It goes back a long way in history. 
certainly does. Thank you very much, Dennis. Thank you, Jackie. And thank you for your call, Jackie. Four nine two one six two one six. That's the number to get your question through to Dennis today. And Rachel's rung in from Lambton, uh, and a question about restless leg syndrome, Rachel. Yes. I know there's a, a, a medication now that a doctor can prescribe, but I, I thought I'd try mm. a natural therapy first if that's possible because I can't sleep. It's driving me mental. Okay, Rachel, what preparations have you used to address this fairly common uh, condition? Uh, magnesium, yes. um, uh, zinc, uh, stretching the muscles of my legs every night before I go to bed, yep. getting back out of bed, yep. stretching. Yep. Just in, in the end, I can't keep them okay. still, so I stay well, awake. What I'm going to do is say something here that might sound quite uh, quaint, a little bit left field, and some would even say too folksy and too non-medical. But as listeners would know, um, I have been rereading a lot of books that I purchased years ago and, and rediscovering a lot of uh, possibilities. And a book that I've mentioned on this program fairly recently is a book by the uh, American uh, medical practitioner, uh, Dr. Jarvis. He was a practitioner in Vermont in the US and took note of some of the uh, things that the people in Vermont did to address their own problems. And he wrote a book entitled Folk Medicine. I've mentioned it on the program before, and listeners have uh, mentioned to us that it can still be purchased um, from Amazon, so it's available. But the point that we're going to make here is, interestingly, in that book, for this condition, the good doctor recommends a trial, a trial on a tablespoonful of pure honey before one goes to bed at night. Now, a tablespoonful, not a teaspoonful, a tablespoonful of pure honey. Now, there is a reason behind that. It's not just folklore. He gives an explanation as to how this preparation may achieve that benefit. So before you go spending any big money uh, and go on to drugs, perhaps like Lyrica, um, mm -hmm. before you go down that pathway, it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg to go to, and get some pure, pure, unadulterated honey and try a tablespoonful, give that a trial for a couple of weeks. If that is no better, I'll talk to you about niacinamide, but try that first. That's, uh, honey, it's, that sounds so simple, and I will go over to the health food shop at New Lambton right now and buy the raw honey. Get the raw stuff, make sure it's Australian. Be aware, be aware, and I say this, you need to be cautious in your purchase of honey because, as I've said before, Honey now is one of the most adulterated products in the world. So always look for Australian-produced honey from our very good beekeepers in the Hunter Valley. Of course, I'm one of them. But um, get, get pure Australian honey that has been unadulterated, unblended, and give it a go, and I'd be interested to get, to get your feedback. We look forward to that. Um, Trish has rung in from Coal Point, and Trish, your father-in-law had shingles, and he's now suffering the aftermath of that. Yes, with the severe nerve pain and the neuralgia. Where, where is the, uh, uh, the, the nerve pain? Is it on the trunk or the chest? Or it's the... actually on his back, so okay. he has the upper, upper okay. back. That, that makes it a lot uh, easier to use the product that I'm going to mention to you. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a readily available product from the pharmacist. 
It's called Zostrix. Z O S T R I X. Right. Zostrix. Um, it is based uh, on the um, the oleo resin of capsicum, but okay. it is uh, there's a lot of science behind it. Mm-hmm. Your, your pharmacist could happily describe to you how it works. What it actually does, it actually interferes with the uh, how can you call it the production of pain from okay. the from the inflamed nerves. It it, it lessens the the pain uh, pr- production and gives the uh, gives the patient a bit of a chance to work through the period yeah. until it, it wears off itself. Now, sometimes with this, uh, it can be a little bit smarting, mm. and some people find that it's a little bit too challenging for them. But so is this an oral one? No, day? no, no. This is a topical, oh, a topical okay. preparation, and I would not have recommended it had it been, uh, say, around the eyes or the face or anywhere like this. Yes. But on his back, it should be fairly easily administered without a lot of potential problems that would go to using something like this elsewhere. Discuss it with your pharmacist because mm-hmm. it's a pharmacy-only product. You get it without script, but discuss it with your pharmacist. They can uh, reiterate what I have said. Okay, well, some, anything's certainly worth a try. Of course, so. of course. That sounds fabulous. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Glenn from North Rothbury, you've got a comment or a question about licorice? Uh, yes, I have, um, uh, Dennis, if you could help us out. I just, um, I, it's very interesting what you were saying about the licorice, but I heard that um, licorice can lower testosterone levels in men. I'm just wondering if that's true. Um, okay. I have, uh, I have not seen any of this. Uh, again, a lot of it would depend upon the way in which the herb was used and the dosage uh, in which it was used. I think, I think probably... Uh, what is being hinted at here is that licorice might contain uh, some what are called phytoestrogens. Now, if licorice contains some phytoestrogens, theoretically, and let me say theoretically, um, that sounds as though that could happen, I doubt it very much because uh, with any of these herbs that contain uh, phytoestrogens, they're usually in a very, very, very low level and... um, in fact, some herbs that are used to promote male vitality and male virility, herbs like Panax ginseng or Korean ginseng, uh, do have um, constituents in them that are hormonal uh, and yet have the very opposite effect of what you're suggesting. So I have not read anything, Glenn, that would substantiate this um, significantly. I stand contradiction... I'm looking at a text now that's uh, written by one of America's greatest, uh, most well-known scientific herbalists, Michael Murray, and there's nothing in his text that I can see that would indicate that. So again, oh, okay. I would be I would be a little bit surprised if that were so. Um, sure. And again, um, I would not see licorice as something to be used nonchalantly. I would see licorice as a medicinal substance being used to achieve a therapeutic objective. Uh, outside of that, uh, I do not encourage its um, its it, its use. Um, so I'd be surprised, but I stand mm. correction. Okay, so the licorice that you're talking about is not the stuff you buy from you no. know Woolworths what, shops and things like this. What what I'm talking about here is uh, medicinal licorice, the actual herb 
that has been processed okay. and turned into what's called a liquid extract. That is the preparation that is mainly used uh, by medical herbalists and uh, practitioners of integrated mm. medicine. So um, it, mm. would be, it would be most unlikely that it would have any uh, possibility of doing that when it was being used to achieve an objective, Glenn. Yeah, all right. Oh, great. Thanks now, very so much just, for that. Just before you go, because, yeah. because I have a property at North Rockbury, what's the temperature there at present, Glenn? <laughs> I'll tell you. I've got a thermometer right oh, here. Don't, don't, um, don't frighten 32. me. 32. Oh, 32 and creeping up, I think. <laughs> uh, well, Rock, North Rockbury gets pretty hot, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, the plants can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for ringing, Glenn. <laughs> Thanks, no thanks, thanks Glenn. And, uh, of course, we did have a call from somebody driving through Rutherford just a little while ago, and it was 34.5 degrees in yeah, the car there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a hot day. Anyway, in the meantime, Greg has rung in on 49216216 from Elibana. Now, lichen disease, Greg. Yes, um, been um, diagnosed with that around my mouth and tongue. Yes, I'm taking uh, some fungal lozenges and also some catalogue cream. Yes. That's yes. wondering if there's anything else you can Look, it's, it's a condition that's um, not that popular but not rare. The, med- the treatment you're receiving is the standard or one of the standard medical treatments. Is it responding to it, Greg? It is a little bit, yes. How long, have you, been, how long have you been battling it for? Uh, it's diagnosed probably about two weeks ago. Okay. Look... Sometimes, and I say sometimes, this condition, which uh, can be self-limiting, is helped by the taking of a medication that I frequently mention on the program, which has immunological benefits, benefits for helping the body fight uh, some of these uh, interesting conditions. Preparation is astragalus 8. That's right. Now, you would be able to procure that uh, from the Waters Bay Health Food Store or many, many pharmacies stock it. Uh, I would suggest that you use that as an oral medication to support uh, what preparations you're presently taking at the topical level. Okay. See how you go. Um, But I wouldn't be dismal about it with the treatment that you're receiving and with perhaps uh, the improvement in your own um, immune system response to it with Astra 8, you might find you walk away from it a bit faster. Okay. I did say catalogue cream, didn't I? I think you did, yeah. Yeah. Also, um, my wife, um, she's on blood pressure medication. Yes, yes. And she, just, and she doesn't sleep very well. And um, just wondering whether she can take um, Carver with that. Okay. With it safe. Okay. Carver is permitted to be uh, um, prescribed or purchased over-the-counter, so it is not considered uh, by a government as being a substance with any significantly problematical issues. However, um, carver is to be used, nevertheless, with a degree of knowledge. Uh, Today we've been talking about licorice, and listeners may well have picked up on the point that when you're dealing with medicinal herbs, you're not dealing with confectionery. In a sense, you're dealing with alternative medications, that need to be administered with knowledge or purchased with knowledge and utilised with knowledge. Now, kava um, yeah. is, a, is a, a safe herb so long as the following parameters are, are taken into account. It is not a herb that should be taken if one uses a lot of alcohol. Right. Uh, and on most labelling or in some labelling of the product, you will find, in fact, warnings about its potential 
assault on the liver and alcohol, therefore, uh, taken in conjunction with it would not be ideal. Yeah, uh, she doesn't drink much at okay. all. Okay. The other thing about... Uh, the other thing... Well, I use carver fairly frequently and I make no bones about it. I drink. I drink sensibly, of course. And, yeah. uh, and my liver enzymes, as far as I'm aware, are pretty stable. So uh, <laughs> what, what I guess I'm saying is don't be frightened by that, but knowledge wouldn't hurt. Now, the other thing is, and I say this for listeners also, uh, because carver works in a very well-defined pharmacological way, and we know how it achieves its benefits in insomnia, depression and anxiety, if one is on other psychotropic medication, that is medication uh, such as antidepressants, uh, antipsychotic medications, etc., one would need to be cautious about using carver uh, in an elevated dosage, and if one were to use it, it would be worthwhile discussing its use uh, with the prescribing, uh, with the GP that's uh, looking after you. Okay. With, with reference to hypertension, I'm not aware, but again, don't hold me to this, I'm not aware of carver having any uh, potential to interact with antihypertensive medication. Uh, right. I'm not aware of that. Um, but again, if one were to use it, um, you'd, you'd want to make sure that... Uh, that uh, you run it past your pharmacist or your GP. But I, I can only go on experience here. I have never had, uh, in all my years of prescribing carver, any patients who have noticed any alteration in their hypertension as a result of including carver in medication that might have been prescribed by their GP. Uh, okay. I'd, be, I'd be surprised if it was so, and I'd be surprised if, if government allowed a... a uh, a herb like that to circulate if it had potential to interact seriously with antihypertensive medication. Well, thanks for your call, Greg. That was uh, lots of topics covered. And while we're on uh, sleeplessness, um, Anna has rung in from Islington. And uh, Anna, you're wondering about taking honey with milk for sleep problems. Hel Hello. Hello, that's Anna. Yes, hi. Hi, yes. Hi. So you, you've got sleep problems as well, is that right? That's right. And um, I was listening to that and I'm very keen to try the pure honey. Yes. Um, yes. And I was just wondering if um, it's just as potent or um, if it even adds to being um, even um, more helpful to have it with milk or with well, soy. I think, because I, I know think that's a great idea. I think, okay, I think it's a great idea, Anna. In fact, um, many people will vouch for the benefit of even a glass of warm milk on its own before going to bed as being well, that's as being useful. What I, yes, well, that's what I actually do. Um, good girl, good girl. For, for, for myself and for my children, but I have I have been using regular store bought honey. Well, so that now could, that you've made it, no, look, look, that could be perfectly okay. It doesn't have to be purchased. In, in a market or anywhere, so long as the product in the supermarket indicates that it's pure Australian honey, that coincides with my emphasis that what I say about honey, in my opinion, is best achieved with pure honey. Much of that is likely to be in the supermarket. Okay, great. And say, for instance, if I'm regularly waking up at three, which seems to be my problem, you as too. well as having difficulty sort of tossing yep. and turning, yep. my my problem is waking up at three. Would you recommend maybe doing it again, having another glass of Why milk not? and honey? Well, you, well, you, <laughs> you, you know my sentiments about honey. 
it has been <laughs> a, it has been a terribly maligned product. Uh, in fact, I've always been a great supporter of it. Use honey. If you were to wake up, it's better to take a bit of honey and get back to sleep than tossing and turning and then at 7 o'clock wake up wrecked. So... Yes, yeah, that's right. And should I look for the word organic as well no, as pure? Or... No, it no. Look, all you need to look at is words like pure, words like Australian, words like unblended. Um, they're the sorts of things. Okay, great. I'll okay. do that. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. And thanks for your call, Anna. Um, Sue rang in from Cessnock to say she's been using pure honey, as you've recommended, Dennis, and has had great success. Thanks for that comment too, Sue. Margaret from Caves Beach, your sister's had uh, an operation for ovarian cancer, and you've got a question about the follow-up. Yes, thank you. Hello, Dennis. Hello, Margaret. Um, yes, my sister's had surgery this week um, for ovarian cancer and I will be looking after her next week for a couple of weeks in the post-op period before she starts her um, following round of chemotherapy. Yes. Um, my question is that in this period that, that I have her with me, I'm, I'm concerned that um, the, the cancer cells will multiply and I'm also concerned that her, with her, hate, her haemoglobin being down and her white cell count being down, I'd like to build up her immune system before she starts the, the rigour of chemotherapy again. When does the, when does the chemotherapy start, Margaret? Um, it starts on the 7th of December, 6th or 7th of, of December. So you're look, only looking at a couple of weeks. Yes. Margaret, um, to be honest with you, it would be unlikely that using... Uh, any complementary medicine at this stage would have any great effect in that short period of time. Right. I, I'm not wanting to be negative. I'm, I just don't want you to go spending money or trying things that might not have the impact that you're looking for. Yes. Uh, what, 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 I, uh, what I normally uh, say is that as far as supporting uh, people that are undergoing chemo or other uh, cancer therapies, I have recommended for very many years, and I know some people think that I recommend it too much, but it is based on my confidence in recommending it, and that's the preparation that I mentioned earlier called Astragalus 8. Mm-hmm. Now, there's adequate literature uh, available from my rooms, even free of charge, uh, to explain how that preparation works, a preparation that is best referred to as immunosupportive. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I could... I could uh, but I won't, rattle off mm-hmm. hundreds of patients, hundreds of patients uh, who have used astragalus 8 at, as part of their uh, supplement routine mm-hmm. in addressing post-operative cancer scenarios. I was mm-hmm. talking to a colleague before coming on the program about a friend of mine who is, is, is battling um, uh, liver cancer who is still using sensible and, and very professionally based um, uh, chemotherapy, as you would expect, mm-hmm. but, al- but also using preparations, in co- uh, including astragalus 8, and, and that person is doing particularly well. Now, I would like to think, I would like to think mm-hmm. that the use of astragalus 8 may be contributing to it. I can't say for sure, yep. but this, uh, this patient, a very good friend of mine, um, has confidence in it and is doing well. The thing that I would say, however, is that Ideally, it's something that should be taken in conjunction with the oncologist's understanding. Yes. Uh, and I think that's very important to listeners. Um, our oncologists in this town are second to none. Oh. They do brilliant work. 
and chemotherapy is nothing to be shunned where it is uh, appropriate and where it can finish off a job of work that has been done. Yes. So I would, if I were you, um, if you're going to use astragalus, say it, run it past your GP at least. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, my advice would be put her on some good tucker, build up a health nutritionally. Um, there's a lovely little um, preparation that I prescribe to people that are a little bit iron deficient, a bit anemic, yes. whose blood has been knocked about a bit, called Floridix. Mm-hmm. Now, that's readily available from health food stores and pharmacies. It's organic. It's based on a multitude of vegetable and herbal substances. As far as I'm aware, there's no possibility of it interfering with anything that your uh, sister is or sister-in-law is contemplating. Yes. Okay. I, pl- I would place a lot of emphasis in that. Mm-hmm. And I'd yes. also uh, suggest that you start to use some vitamin C. Yes. I see that as a very useful support agent. And, and make sure that she's getting good, strong, proteinous meals yes. that can help the immune system. Our yes. immune systems can't function well if we're doing crazy things with our diet and yep. keeping the protein level low. I think if you were to do those things yes. and then um, discuss astragalosate with the oncologist, I'd be surprised if there were any objection. That would be then doing things, in my opinion, um, very properly. Okay, yep. That sounds good. I will. Do that, Margaret. Thank you. Thank you very much, Margaret, for your call. So if you've got a question you'd like to put to Dennis, we've got time for one more quick one, 49216216, if you'd like to be uh, doing that. Um, In the meantime, Dennis, just to uh, follow up on licorice a little bit, we talked about its use in gut and how that helped with ulcers and things. And uh, it can also be Two other areas. Two other areas uh, that need to be emphasised with the short period of time that we have, the liquid extract of licorice that I spoke about earlier, the one-to-one liquid, liquid extract, when used with, with a, um, a dilutant, say some warm water, is a very, very specific agent in promoting the healing of mouth ulcers. Mouth ulcers. Mouth ulcers. Mm. It is a very, very effective agent. Licorice is a cheap herb, even in the the liquid form. And a teaspoonful of the liquid extract of licorice in, say, half a tumbler of warm water, used a couple of times a day to address stubborn, slow-healing mouth ulcers, has got to be seen to believe. It's, It's magnificent. And, of course, finally, licorice is the basis of the GA cream, which is used for eczema and psoriasis. I'm going to make you work just one more. Last call. Gwen from East Maitland has rung in. Benefits of citrus. Hello, Gwen. Hello. Uh, Could you please tell me um, if lemon... Someone told me that if you have lemon, that um, it it goes to alkaline in your stomach. It's not acid. I'm just worried about the acidity of it because it's supposed to be very good for you to have thing in the morning in yeah. glass water. Well, I'll be brief and say that I'm a great fan of citrus fruits. I think, yes. this, I think this acidity factor is misunderstood mm-hmm. and I would have no problems at all in, in supporting the use of licorice in the way that you're talking about. Uh, uh, lemon. 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 I'm sorry. I've, I've got licorice <laughs> on my mind. Sorry, Gwen. I'm looking at the clock and trying to be quick here. Now, look, if you get benefit out of using lemon, 
you continue using it because, as I've said on this program, it's a remarkable agent also for assisting liver and gallbladder functioning. All right. I, I don't actually take it because I've been frightened of the acid uh, because I'm a, a bit acidic in my stomach and, uh, um, and I was just worried that that might add too much acid, but someone said I don't it think goes so. alkaline. And yes, also, that's, that's believe, correct. Uh, mandarins mm-hmm. are a different sort of citrus to orange. I can't have orange or tomatoes because um, it affects um, arthritis. Well, tomato, remember, is quite a different family to the citrus yes. family. Uh, tomato would contain an alkaloid that's found also in, in, in potatoes, so it's understandable why it might irritate an arthritic condition. I'd be surprised if that could be connected with, with, with an orange. Okay, so it sounds as though that's reasonably safe. So, so we've had some great calls, very great questions calls. today. Thank you, you Dennis done Stewart. Very well, Jane. You've and done very well. All my own work. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for ringing in. And we'll do it all again next Friday after the midday news on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.